Testing, testing. Hey everyone, my name My name is Michael Kamel. And you're listening to Owner Stories on WRIR 97.3 Richmond LP. And this is our last episode of our first season on WRIR. I can't believe it. Same. I really can't believe it after such a an intense year. What an intense year. And just like, honestly, I think it, this has been such a source of like motivational joy for me, Absolutely. at least. Yeah. Okay. For you too. Great. I love that. I love this for both of us. I was like, let me not speak for both of us. <laughs> so I was like, let me just check in real quick. Make sure he <laughs> likes this. <laughs> she doesn't hate doing all of this. Um, I mean, there's so many ways to talk about this. And just to start off the bat, we plan to be back by February. We're going to be doing some restructuring focusing on some different topics. But before we get into the future, let's talk about like where we're at now, how we got here. Um, So for those who don't know, we started Owner Stories as an interactive project. It was in person. We started talking to strangers with prompts and it was fun. And we got to talk to so many people and um, it just confirmed to us that people want to be prompted to speak to, like people want to be challenged Mm -hmm. and don't want to just talk to the same five people. And Almost two years later, we yep. are now on the radio and doing a podcast. And yeah, what's been Which the most is so exciting? So exciting for you. What has been like the biggest unexpected shift of owner stories? I just never had seen myself personally or owner stories like recurring mm-hmm. on the radio because I feel like radio is just so like. Sometimes it feels a little bit traditional to me personally. Um, so it's just not something I ever imagined us going down, but I felt like it opened a new set of uh, doors and challenges as well right. and like really pushed us to grow in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think because, yeah, traditionally radio can be so restrictive, but I think the fact that it's an independent radio station definitely helps. But yeah, 100%. Um, and it was interesting because we basically decided, you know, we want to... Um, we, so we essentially decided when the pandemic hit, like obviously we couldn't do in-person events anymore. We couldn't do the events that we were organizing. So we decided to take that prompt method into podcasting. And I don't know when it was exactly that you, both of us were just like, this is not fulfilling all our needs. Like we want to get deeper. Like we want to dive deeper into issues. I think we both mutually were just like that. And we started going down that route and having a space where your show goes to versus just posting something on pot, uh, on SoundCloud or just like independently all the time really, I think, makes you just be more passionate about it in a way. And you're right. I definitely didn't think we we're going to go down the traditional-ish route, but this isn't a traditional space really. So it all works out. It all works out. Yeah. And I I feel like, I mean, for me, kind of where I pinpoint the tonal shift mm-hmm. in your stories is like, we felt like asking all of the questions we were asking mm-hmm. when the pandemic was hit and then when the uprising started, it just felt a little bit out of touch. Yes. Like it felt like, yes. why are we asking these random questions in these moments where we need to be asking more serious things and exploring um, more crucial and relevant topics. Do you feel like it leans into our own backgrounds a bit? Because we've talked about our backgrounds a little bit on the show. Um, And I felt like we both started this because we were like, we want to do something different. We want to expand outside of our own traditional, like not traditional, what am I saying? Our own experiences 
And it's interesting. I feel like this became kind of an intersecting point for everything we're interested in, from a culture to politics to, I don't know, all our interests, really. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that it's just, it's in line with what we love personally. And like the topics and the stories that we want to explore and the angles that we want to take. And I'd be interested to hear uh, from you, especially as somebody who is a writer and a producer and um, has worked like in journalism for a few years now. Like, what did that shift signify for you for owning your stories? Like going from the more like street style sparking conversations to now we're kind of um, talking to people and really diving into these bigger topics. I think it just confirmed to me what I was missing inside traditional newsrooms and why I wanted to leave them in the first place. It was like, I love being able to, because there's this idea in news where it's like the man on the street, the MOS, and usually just some random person, but you never get to do a deep dive with them. So that's why I love talking to people the way we did, because I was like, we're starting with a very random topic, like what's your favorite type of childhood music? What is something you wish you could apologize for or something of that nature? And then kind of shifting, like, you know, rant, like making the conversation much more in depth from there. So going from that format to this, it was like, I was really determined to make sure we didn't just map out or repeat a traditional newsroom format because I've done that for a while and I do not like it. Um, so it was exciting. It was getting a chance to ex- apply my experiences as a reporter, as a, like, a researcher um, with the fact that I'm just mad social. And I think we've done a good job of that. I think almost every single one of our episodes pretty much actively include a range of voices. Like we do outreach on social media and people respond to us, which is also shocking to me. And I think that's the biggest thing. I was so scared to go down this route because I was like, what if no one listens? Right. But they do. <laughs> right. And I, and I, well, people are listening. Shout out to all the listeners. And what I will also say is that you brought up a good point of like, we've talked to a wide variety of people. And what's interesting is that it almost feels like inherent to the work that you and I do mm-hmm. like I never felt like well I can't recall conversations Siona where we're like okay we need to find somebody that um is this identity and that identity and that identity never like we <laughs> we just <laughs> we're kind of naturally we go towards the people that have these lived experiences that are the expert in their experiences yeah and we don't even have to talk about okay, now we got to get this person and diversity and inclusion. Like, that's not even a conversation we have. Yeah. Because it's naturally, um, I think, what we're inclined to do. And then from there, we then identify, okay, who else do we need to talk to um, to cover this experience properly and appropriately? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's we're not starting, like, our baseline isn't, we need to have one black person in the room our baseline is way beyond that and you're right because we don't we've never had conversations like that because it's so inherent it's so natural to what we care about and what we do we've mostly only talked to people who are just people of color in any way um and that's not to say we don't have work to do for sure right like we definitely need to include more voices um across various marginalized backgrounds but you're right it's just inherent and that's, I think, kind of how we formed our the Fat Phobia episode, because that's something I've been really interested in for a long time. Like, it was just very bizarre to me to be in spaces where we're talking about social justice, and then somehow people could just say fat phobic comments and it'd be okay. And I'm not a fat person. And I'm not saying that, like, in a positive way. I'm just saying it as someone who's trying to unlearn 
the stigma of the word the word from people who are studying this and people who are affected by this and people who are activists in the space. They I know I'm not the person to be speaking about this. So finding voices, it was really clear to me that we need to find not just black women, but we need to find a range of black women to talk about this issue. Um and it was just inherent. Like, yeah, inherent for us to think beyond the BS standards of like quote unquote inclusion and diversity. Right. I think what I have appreciated over our new direction and our new tone is that I feel like every episode, I'm actually learning something as well. Like, it doesn't feel like we're just doing things just to do things. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't feel like it's a self-serving project. Like, right. I genuinely feel like I learn something with every episode, whether I'm interviewing or you're interviewing um, and then I can confidently take that new perspective to somebody else and say like, hey, like you need to listen to Aspen Christie talk about body politics Ooh, because Aspen you're going to, it's going to open your eyes, you know? Yo, honestly, like I've known Aspen for a few years and we're not like, we've talked off and on, but we, like we keep touch with each other. And literally I'm so proud of her. Like she's doing these deals, I think her. with Target, pretty little thing, like she's doing her thing. Um. Yeah, that was a really great conversation to have. And I think um, that's kind of still something we've kept up with owner stories. Like, we're still talking to people and centering them. Um, what other episodes? There were so many episodes that stuck out to me, but I think my favorite episodes have been the ones where I'm being challenged while I'm producing it. And by challenge, mm. I mean, like, literally, I the biggest challenge I had in them was, like, trying to make sure I included okay when I say challenge I mean there was some stories that we did that like so many people responded to in terms of having us talk to them like they were down to talk I was Mm -hmm. like upset I couldn't include everyone who wanted to talk to us um right because people said such dope stories so one of them was a fat phobia episode in that episode we have Diana Jade and Courtney talk about their own stories in between um some of our export voices in the story and mm-hmm. it was so dope because they respond to me via social media. Granted, I know all three of them, but I didn't expect them to be down to talk, and they were. With the reckonings in the former former the reckoning in the former Confederacy episode, like that one, mm-hmm. I had so much tape. And I think because we still, I'm not sure if that was right before we launched on WIR, but I knew, you know, I didn't want to make it more than 30 minutes, not because it wasn't interesting, but because I like people to just have really strong moments when they listen to audio. Um, right. that's like how I like to edit. That's not everybody. And I was like, yo, there's so many angles. Um, and I can't wait to go back through those tapes and just like, uh, kind of do more episodes if possible. Who knows? I'm just thinking out loud now. Um, and the first right. episode of the podcast before like in April, it was, and I, if you all follow us on like SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, the first episode is songs that remind you of your childhood or rather songs that defined your childhood. And y'all, that episode might be my favorite Mm. because it was just like, I'm so passionate about music and politics and how they intersect. And people, Mm -hmm. it was funny because I was talking to people, they afterwards were like, yo, I did not expect to feel that way. Or like, dang, I never thought about like the cultural side of the music. I just like the music. And it remains to be like one of my favorite episodes. But it was so hard because... um, Again, I talked to a lot of people for it, and I was right. like, oh, who do we include? What songs do I include? And when I ended the episode, I think um, it was hard for me to even choose what song to find my childhood because there was like 30,000. Right. 
it's one of those things where we're not necessarily presenting you a topic like like the uprisings and saying here's what's going on and Mm -hmm. here's what you need to know like we're taking kind of these aspects of people's experiences and either showing them how in a lot of ways it's cultural and or political um or learning ourselves how like the songs that we listen to have certain backgrounds like songs of revolution in other countries or i mean come on even the star spangled banner (laughs) like (laughs) like like these songs hold a lot of significance so it's interesting to see like what people grow up on um and how that shapes or informs um their thinking in a lot of ways or how that's representative of their upbringing that that was a really powerful episode i also really like the intersectionality episode which is actually our most listened to episode so thank you guys for tuning into that one. yeah and we hope that you learn more about intersectionality from it. Shout out to Rebecca Keel and Tiana Ingram, who, you know, gave us words and facts and entertainment um, for a full hour while educating us. A full hour. And it just, it's good to get down to the basics. Yeah. Like, I don't think you or I ever want to put out episodes or or create products that are that feel inaccessible or that are, like, so over people's heads that they can't understand it like at the end of the day a lot of what siona and i do is looking through different topics through an intersectional lens and it's important if we're going to be doing that in our episodes for people to understand what intersectionality is how it plays out in people's lives yeah it's just like it's also i think you're right like we never want to come from a perspective of like everyone knows everything because first off we don't know everything you know, it's just like I constantly am learning new things and looking back on stuff. Even I've done like three months ago, like, dang, if I knew this information, maybe I would have said that or maybe I need to do better. And um, I don't know. There's just a lot of ways to think about these things. And I think you're right. It affects everyone. What's interesting to me, though, is how like, honestly, I'm not gonna, I was actually surprised that people liked that episode so much. Like, that's the one people are always like, yo, like that really captures a lot of what you're doing. And I think that's true. But I was like, dang, like I didn't expect that. And it was just so surprising in a good way. And I think it kind of shows there's so many ways to explore stuff. Um, And it's important that we take different angles while we do that. We also have had an aesthetic shift that was kind of forced in a way due to the pandemic, but I think also kind of represents our new direction. It does. And um, Sarah Butler was the one who designed those. So shout out to her as well. Yeah, she's, she designed our logos and they're amazing. And they are the color palette that we use and the like even like the line structure that sarah used is like similar to what we do in our graphics and our posts right which was that i was trying to explain and she just got it immediately because i was like i want this like abstract person but not specific person not my face it was i mean right. they did magic with really nothing because <laughs> like, i was right. i don't think i was that helpful and i and i also feel like Clarifying the visuals also kind of helped us clarify our direction. And I think yes. that for people that don't work in like marketing or aren't used to branding or anything like that, like 
you don't realize how important that visual identity is to what you're doing. I didn't realize it was either. Shout out again. I keep saying shout out, but honestly, that was you because I'm like, ah, like y'all. I again, <laughs> I say this all the time. Like my relationship with social media is fraught. <laughs> So even thinking about aesthetic, I get very overwhelmed with thinking about it. I don't really enjoy the process, but I actually enjoy the process of creating one aesthetic. Um, but don't get twisted, y'all. We're not a brand. <laughs> we just like to, we just like to have nice things for y'all to look at as you engage with the critical thinking and fun critical thinking. I must say. And I feel like the um, logo the like, also is like, I feel like your vision came to life with that for sure. Like I, when I saw that, I was like, oh "This God. is so Siona," and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> There are so many conversations going on about like 2020, what a year, what are you thinking about the year? I don't think we have much individually to add to this larger conversation in terms of what a year 2020 has been. But that being said, Michael, I am curious to on a personal level, what has 2020 meant to you? Um, 2020 has exposed a lot of the mess in this country specifically I'm refraining from mm-hmm. cursing. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> um, Facts. And I also feel like it's like it's like been a year of uprooting in so many ways, mm. for better or for worse. It's right. been a year of uprooting um, from like the very like my like small levels to like literally the larger levels and and literally people quite physically being uprooted. So like. Um, that's kind of what it's signified for me. Like, it feels like, it feels like, like a new era for the world. And I don't say era lightly, and I don't necessarily say that positively, Mm -hmm. but it feels like a a new Mm -hmm. era for the world. Right. Interesting. Yeah. What is 2020 Mm -hmm. meant for you? Because I know we both, you know, we're going through our own things throughout 2020. I don't know. I really wish I had a better answer. Um, I mean, like, I like, feel like how can we process like, this I, year? I always tell people that. How can we process 2020? Yeah, I don't know. I I agree with that because I'm like, yeah, like, how do we process this year? And I realize I'm OK with not knowing how to process it fully. Um, I think we're, this is going to be one of those things where I look back on. I'm like, yo, we actually I was alive for that. I was cognizant for that. I I think on a personal level, it's been a year of um not so much uprooting for me, more so weirdly enough, but getting more grounded. Whereas before I was very much so this time around last year, just trying to figure out what I was trying to do and felt very torn between five different paths. Like I have a much better idea of where I'm at. And I Mm. think for me being forced to be still as someone who does not like to be still. And by still, I don't mean like I was just chilling. I mean like physically just being limited in where I could go and being forced to sit with a lot of discomfort with like, um, not just like my job where I was earlier in the year, but just generally with a lot of trauma I had to go through really forced me to like deal with that, address stuff I don't like mm-hmm. um, and build a, a better sense of where I want to go, like grounding myself more um, right. in the midst of a lot of chaos. So trying to find that balance of holding myself together and without being too harsh on myself while everything else is like falling apart around me or rather I have better patience mm. for sure that I did not have this time last year mm. um and that's where I'm at it might change I'm still processing 2020 and like I'm cool right. with that I think yeah, yeah I'm cool I, with that. I think 
I think that uh to some extent like we just need to accept what it was like obviously you know barring certain situations and we're lucky enough you know to be healthy right now and to be you know in like housed right now like so um there's a lot of things that like we just have to accept and I feel like for me also I kind of like that you said like I'm still processing it and I don't really know um and like and just sitting with things I think is really important um and for me as well like even earlier on I'm like like your life can always change in an instant and in this year it showed us that like quite literally everybody across the globe their lives can change in an instant and so it almost taught me to in a way relinquish relinquish my desire for control all the time like to be able to control the situations like like masks for example earlier on in the year i was having conversations with people and like a lot of people were like this is so crazy this is so surreal and i had that moment but i forced myself to get over it quickly because i was like this is going to be the norm for a while who cares about a cloth you know like but for a lot of us and even now still now and then it was just like so surreal. It was like I've never lived this type of life in the U.S. There's people mm. that wear masks outside of the U.S. <laughs> right, right. I, I think but, I'm a, that's a good point. No, that's a good point. I also remember that moment when I first walked into the store and I was like, "Oh my god, I don't have a mask." It was like March, and I was like, "Oh no, I need to buy masks." And right now, I don't imagine never wearing one, which is a whole different conversation to have. But like, I think it's right. just interesting how we were able to to, to just adjust. And I don't know if that's necessarily good or bad because I think. And I'm also, I want to make a point here for all my, you know, our frustrations. Like there are so many people in this country who cannot leave spaces because they're incarcerated, because they're in Mm -hmm. sanctuary trying to hide from ICE, because they're disabled. And our country does not take care of these communities well. And their people are being Mm -hmm. forced to stay inside because other people won't be responsible. So it's like, I, I feel you in terms of like, you know coming to terms with stuff almost and just coming to terms yeah yeah like i feel and but also you know not not minimizing our frustration while also respecting other people's arguably much bigger issues and not right. downplaying our own i think a lot of the series is about balance and as your friend i feel like i've balance. seen you develop that in many ways thank you balance is key balance is really key so what can the people expect in season two of own your stories should we give them a little hand? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, y'all. Um, <laughs> I feel like I will say, obviously, right, the center of owner stories has been, always will be the intersection of the cultural, the political, and the personal, and giving people, and respecting people's lived experiences as expertise, right? So that's always going to be the core, and using people's voices to tell stories. So that's going to stay the same, obviously, obviously. Um And our goal really is to kind of explore what does it look like to make space for yourself and to claim space for yourself? And why is that so difficult? Like, why is it such a difficult thing to do that? Um, That's Mm. a general theme what we're looking at. Um, And I think generally people can expect more of us, like more of not so much hearing our voices like this in episodes, but if you follow us like on Instagram, at Own Your Stories, O-W-N-Y-O-U-R-S-T-O. R-I-E-S. Um, we're going to be posting more about like ourselves because a lot of people aren't really sure who we are, which is I, which is cool. <laughs> are no, people we are we sure who we are? <laughs> you know what? 
I don't know. JK, y'all, we're actually not that deep. Don't get... (laughs) I I wish we were, but unfortunately, we're just not. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so people are always like, like, they don't really know who we are. So we're going to be like showing you more of ourselves. Um, But we're really excited. Like Michael and I talked about this earlier to get to know our like people who've been listening um a lot of people who follow us are not based in virginia like a lot of them are based throughout the country which is so cool we didn't expect that so it's nice to see we have like folks who are engaging with us in richmond and virginia but also like all over the country um so we're excited to get to like know more of y'all so our plan is to definitely try to find a way to get that interactive aspect of owner stories that we lost with the pandemic back via social media yeah so thank you all for tuning in this year and if you've been following us since the beginning thank you we really appreciate it um we literally would not be doing this if you know we didn't have such an awesome community of people that were invested in these topics and these stories that we're exploring so as siona mentioned you can follow us on instagram at own your stories that's o w n y o u r S-T-O-R-I-E-S. Um, and we are going to be coming back with season two launch in February. We look forward to uh, seeing you all there, hearing you all there. And thank you again for tuning in. And have a happy, happy New Year's, y'all. Make some intentions. Be kind to yourself. Make some new friends if you can. Digitally, of course. We can't be in person yet. Um, but yeah, my name is Siona Petros. My name is Michael Kamel. And you're listening to Own Your Stories on WRIR 97.3 LP Richmond. Have a dope weekend. Bye. Happy New Year.